Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This is the Roy Green Show podcast. I'm going to begin with this, and I thought about, I thought long and hard about, about actually talking about this. Uh, I was I checked my my webpage the other day, and there was a, a posting from Trish. So I read it, and I thought, I'm going to share this with our callers, and we'll um, we'll talk about it. We'll open up the phone lines to everybody. We won't ask anybody who's actively involved with the issue, but to participate. In, a, in other words, no guests, no experts. Other than people and their experiences and their points of view. Some people will tell me, Roy, that's too uh, tricky about what you're going to talk about. You should stay away from it. Well, yeah, I think you know me better than that. So I received this, um, this, this posting from Trish. And I'm just going to read it to you, and then we'll we'll talk. If you follow me on Twitter at the Roy Green Show, you already know that what the first line is. Hello, Roy. I guess I'm a deplorable racist. Now, please listen to this, folks, because I'm going to want to hear your points of view and your experiences and the understanding of who we are, where we live, how we live, and who lives here. We're all in this together, right? So Trish writes, hello, Roy, I guess I'm a deplorable racist. I have lived in my current home for 25-plus years. Over the years, I've become a minority. I see no immigrants other than those from India and Pakistan. When my daughter was school-age, she was the only Caucasian female in her class. She was shunned by her classmates and generally had a very difficult time until I felt compelled to transfer her to a new school. I believe that our immigration system is not inclusive of Europeans, Australians, and others who share our culture. The immigrants in my community do not attempt to integrate in any way. Rather, they look upon me with contempt as I try to find my personal space in the grocery lineup and have no consideration for others as they attempt to barter at the checkout for some perceived flaw in their merchandise. I'm at a loss as to how people who speak neither English nor French have become Canadian citizens. I have concluded that I must leave my adult children behind and move to a small prairie town in order to live in a community where a 50-something Caucasian woman can feel included in the community. Oh, to live in Switzerland, where my opinion mattered. Thank you for discussing this issue, Roy. Sincerely, Trish. All right, so I, I read this several times. As I said, initially I thought I'd I'd just read it. But then I thought, I really should share this with you. And I really should hear what you have to say. Because one of the things that we need to do is talk to one another. We need to speak to each other openly, honestly, and directly. 
And the easy way is to just say, well, just avoid it. Just, 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 just avoid it, Green. Just, just avoid it. No, it's not me. So is Trisha racist? She calls herself a deplorable racist. Is Trisha racist? Is she a woman sharing the view of many in Canada? And I'm not talking about old stock, so-called old stock Caucasian Canadians. What do you hear? What do you hear when I read what Trish posted to RoyGreenShow.com? And remember, this posting comes shortly after the Angus Reid poll on what makes us Canadian and revealed that 68% of Canadians would like newcomers to fit in more with mainstream Canada, while the same number believe newcomers fit in well into their individual communities. If you're a recent immigrant, is it true that you prefer to live in a neighborhood with people who emigrated to Canada from your country of birth or area of the world that you lived in previously? Let's talk. If you're Trish or someone with a personal history similar to that of Trish, do you feel like moving from your neighborhood, your city, maybe your province? If that's how you feel, does that make you a deplorable racist? You know, maybe people, some people with cultures, some ethnicities and religions do clash. History is filled with examples of that. But we're not talking history. We're talking present-day Canada and looking into the Canada of tomorrow. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, Deplorable for Trump and Canadian for Trump tweets, Trish speaks the absolute truth. Total veritas. Uh, Tweet me at The Roy Green Show. Let's go to your calls right now and find out how you feel about what you heard and what you've heard about Trish and what your thoughts are, where we are as a community. Sean is in Mississauga, Ontario. Hey, Sean. Good afternoon, Roy. I'm a common listener to you. Often disagree, but listen nonetheless. Thank you, sir. Um, I'd like to first uh, expose that my identity does belong to one of those South Asian communities that she mentioned. My parents came here in the 70s. Um, I am a South Asian, and I'm born in Canada and raised here as well. With that said, she has some very valid points about ghettoization and the way that South Asians do not include themselves into the community. With that said, I'd like to disagree with her that she makes some points that I often have heard growing up about what it means to be Canadian, and they often have this framework of being Anglo-Saxon and Judeo-Christian. So let me just put this out there right now. That is not what it means to be Canadian. That's what it means for her to be Canadian and people who think like her. But we're still developing the concept of being Canadian. And the beautiful thing about it is that myself and people from my generation and first-generation Canadians who are children of immigrants, we are inclusive. And we do say Merry Christmas, even though we're Muslim or Sikh or whatever. And we have no problem with the Judeo-Christian views. And we work together and we live together. And that's what's happening in the future. I feel bad that she's going through what she's going through, and I see it myself because people are uncouth and they don't know how to stand in lines and they don't have that common decency. But my mother, who's from Pakistan, raised me with that common decency, and she she had me raised with white people, black people, Asians, and she showed me, son, you're a Canadian now. You are not a Pakistani Canadian. You're a Canadian Pakistani. 
So thank you for taking my call. Let me ask you one question. Sure. If you were to give Trish, I don't want to use the word advice. Um, if you were to say something to Trish based on what you heard her, and thank you for your call, Sean. I really appreciate no it. No problem. Um, if you were to say something to her based on what you heard, what would you say to her? I would tell her to, I would advise her, or I would tell her my perspective, because I can't advise her. She's wiser than me. Uh, I would tell her that things are changing, and they're changing very rapidly. I don't know if that's because of technology's pace of change. I don't know if that's because of Canada. But multiculturalism, while it has not worked, it will work now. And the other thing that she needs to realize is that there's a hot and cold going on in the political sector, whether that's south of the 49th or north of it. You have the Harperites, who Harper used the word old stock himself, and it became such a big deal. And then you have these liberals, and people gravitate towards either side. And this is a big, big, big thing. I can't obviously get into it here, but there's many of us who are just rational and want to be inclusive and want want Canada to be a place that's friendly for everyone. But she's absolutely right. There is too much ghettoization in the GTA, especially places where South Asians or whatever group congregates. You go to Spadina, you got Chinatown. You go to this area, you have that town. Uh, we should be including each other. And tell I, I, if she's listening, Trish, I would tell you that things are changing and, and look have hope for the future because your kids and their kids and their kids, things are going to be different. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate your Thank call. You. Thank you. I want to hear what you have to say. What's your reaction? What's your experience? Assad is also in Mississauga. Assad, thank you for the call, sir. Yeah, I'd just like to reiterate the previous caller. I think what he said is what I and many second, third generation um, children of immigrants feel. Uh, I do sympathize for that lady. She had to feel she had to leave. But at the same time, like like I'm born here, my grandfather's born in Scotland, um, we look like these Syrians are coming over to Canada. So we're reaching out to them to making them look like, you know, make them feel that they're part of Canada. And by them, us reaching out to them and, you know, just saying, you know, welcome to Canada and making them feel at home, through osmosis or just our interaction, they're going to feel comfortable to be with general Canadians. So when people come to Canada, we shouldn't look at them as aliens or whatever. We have to say, okay, welcome to Canada. We need a population. We're a growing community. And reach out to them. If they're not reaching out to us, we should reach out to them. Asad, thank you for the call. Thank you. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. You know, we find ourselves, once again, everybody's talking about Donald Trump. Everybody's talking about the U.S. election. Doesn't matter where you go. It was out last night in Burlington to um, a concert. Uh, swing music was a lot of fun. And talking to some of the people there. And uh, Donald Trump came up. And it just doesn't matter where you go. It's Donald Trump. And not so much Hillary Clinton in the conversations that I've had, but it's all it's focused on Donald Trump. And uh, it's not usually very positive conversations that I that I have with people because it's they just I don't know it's just random choice I run into people and they've got some negative things to say about Trump which is not what we've heard on the air which is not what we have heard on the air for months each time I believed it's been over for Trump we go on we sign on we ask the question is it over and immediately there is a cascade of calls. And it's all pro-Donald. 
that it's because he's the agent of change. It's because people are pissed off and fed up, and they're not going to take it any longer. And the more elite media tell them that they have to take it, the more they say, not going to happen. This is our one chance to fight back. And so if they're, the Trumpian transgressions are being forgiven, ignored, set aside, you name it. This is what I hear on the air, folks. It's not what I hear on the streets, but it's what I hear on the air. And we will be opening up the phone lines to you shortly. But first is our good friend, Fran Coombs, the managing editor of Rasmussen Polling in the United States, RasmussenReports.com, RasmussenReports.com. Uh, sign on to their um, their uh, daily tracker, their daily information, or almost daily information that is signed. I, I love this stuff because it tells me what's going on in the United States. And Mr. Coombs, I... I'm going to owe you a dinner, a drink, a combination, both at the end of the campaign. You've been so generous with your time, Fran, on weekends. Thank you for that. Oh, I love it, Roy. It's great to have these conversations with you. So where do we stand today? Uh, you, you asked the question whether Trump should step aside. Do we start with that? What do we start with? Well, basically, we, we, as you say, we ask people that the media hit. If you recall, I mean, your listeners may recall, you have been talking about this for months. I, I warned you that in October we would have uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign in full cry on sexism and racism. And sure enough, of course, we had all the women allegations last week. Uh, and I think what we can expect in the next week or so is either the New York Times or the Washington Post to come up with former black, black former employees of the Trump campaign saying that he was routinely dropping the N-word and, uh, you know, anything else that you can think of that's offensive. That will be the, they'll be dropping that to try to motivate the black voters. Um, which is, you know, she needs to motivate minorities and she needs to motivate young women. So we'll see that coming. Uh, but anyway, we asked people last week, we said, okay, should Trump step down? Should he not run? Should he let Mike Pence take his place? And uh, 25%, 26% of Republicans said, yeah, Trump should drop out of the race. But when we expanded that to uh, Trump voters, people that say they're going to vote for Trump, over 80% said no way. Uh, so, obviously, the media is having an impact on voters. There's no question about it. Well, it's relentless. And, and the fact, you know, if, if, if Trump has done all the things that he's being accused of having done, then you have a significant character flaw, a character issue, somebody with a sense of self-aggrandizement and, and somebody who's just a, a boorish abuser of women, uh, if, if everyone's story is, in fact, true. Um, but on the other, I mean, I, I watched uh, the other morning. I watched um, what's his name on MSNBC, Joe um, Scarborough. Well, Scarborough, Scarborough. Morning, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So he's supposed to be a, a, a Republican, a member of the Republican Party. He was a Republican member of Congress. I mean, I oh, they had uh, Ben Carson on, and he's been on this show, and uh, it was just absolutely windmilling at Ben Carson. There was, they were all just ganging up on him and I thought man the, 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 there was this is really just uh, an agenda at this point but so how do you how do you take that the media uh, attacking Trump and you say he's having an impact and if he if he is the the sexual assaulter the sexual harasser that he's said to be how does that play heading into the uh into the uh in, into November and then particularly if you say if you're predicting Fran that they're going to find people who are 
black and former employers of Trump. By the way, we're going to have a former Black Panther member on the show tomorrow who's a Trump supporter. Um, how do you put all that together? I mean, what's the what are the what, what I'm asking is what the hell are the next three weeks going to be like? Well, the thing about it is, Roy, you and I both know this guy is tackling very powerful forces in this country. Yes, uh, basically very powerful forces globally, and they they are going to do anything in their power to stop this guy. I mean, they know that the usual Republican uh, presidential candidate will be a go along to get along guy. So even in their worst nightmares, if uh, if uh, you know a Jeb Bush or a Marco Rubio had defeated Hillary Clinton, they know that that guy would go along with the plan. Uh, Trump is not. I mean, look at Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan knows that if Trump gets elected, he may well talk to the Republicans in Congress about trying to find another speaker. Uh, he has no use for these guys who have been the loyal opposition to Barack Obama. And basically the, the establishment political team, which includes the major media, will do anything in their power to stop this guy. I mean, these, these women's allegations that the Washington Post reported the other day are already being totally blown out of the water. Uh, Trump's come forward, a guy who was on the plane, unsolicited, came forward and said that actually the stewardess was throwing herself all over Trump and even said to, her, to him when Trump went to the, uh, to the bathroom, said, I'm going to marry that guy someday. So, you know, this is the woman who's now claiming, you know, in 1979 that she was groped. Um, Another one of the women was approached Trump in April to try to get his help on something. Um, the People magazine woman's story is completely falling apart. But, you know, I don't think the Washington Post did due diligence on that story at all. They just, these people came in, said it, they said, great, it served their political agenda, and they put the story out. And that's what I'm saying. I, I won't be surprised at all if they have a similar uh, black, former black employee, uh, Trump employees. Uh, they won't even necessarily check to see if they work for Trump or anything at all. They'll just take their story at face value and throw it out there uh, because these people are throwing everything at Trump. Uh, and the WikiLeaks, I mean, you, you know, look at this Wiki, WikiLeaks stuff. It shows direct collusion between, the, you know, a reporter at the New York Times uh, letting the Clinton people screen quotes. I mean, when I was working for newspapers, if a reporter had been found screening quotes of the subject of the story, they would have been fired. Well, and then and you also have uh, somebody at CNN who's coaching the the, the people in a, in a town hall as to how to ask questions or answer questions. Right, and, and, ask leak, questions. and leak the question to Hillary Clinton. Yeah, well, uh, and, so, I and, mean, and yeah, didn't, the, didn't Donna Brazil... The major media in this country has sold their souls... Why uh, to the Clinton campaign in this in this race? Why why is that, uh, Fran? I mean, which shows you how important it is. They will do they will do anything to stop this guy. Why, why why is it so important to media, to media in the United States? And I can see that it's become a subjective reality. Major papers like the Times and the Washington Post are obviously targeting Trump in any way they possibly can. But why has it become so important? Well, see, they've been doing this for years, but it's never been so blatant. Like in two thousand eight. They came up with the, the Washington Post came up with a completely false story about John McCain having an affair with a lobbyist. The story was completely blown out of the water. It was completely false, and the Post got away with it. Uh, I mean, I, I competed with the Washington Post and the New York Times for 20-some years in Washington, D.C., and believe me, I can't tell you the number of times that we would chase after stories that they had come up with and find that there was absolutely nothing there. But they at least used to maintain that they were impartial. I mean, you could see up close that they weren't, but, but for the record, they would say they're impartial. Now there's not even any pretense of it. Now they just, I mean, you know, they'll 
they, you know, they came out like the guy in the New York Times a month or so ago saying that Trump's so evil, we have to do anything in our power to stop him. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. Ballot is in your hand. No, I don't care if you're American or Canadian. The ballot is in your hand. You're in a private place, little booth, or behind a cardboard partition. Just you, the piece of paper, and a pencil. And in front of you is are the names Trump and the names and the name Clinton. All right. So, what are you going to do? Who are you going to vote for? Let me go to your calls now that I've got the cursor to actually do something. Uh, I think the computer's trying to sabotage me today. John is in Collingwood, Ontario. John actually called before we started taking calls. So I appreciate your patience, John. Thank you for your call, sir. Go ahead, please. Thank you very much, Roy. If I had to vote today, I would definitely vote for Clinton. And, you know, your previous guest and the polls he's taken, et cetera, et cetera, I cannot humanly believe that all of these ladies that have come out, maybe there is one or two, you know, their stories don't mesh, but it's almost impossible. It's like a conspiracy, and I I can't believe that could humanly happen. And, you know, I think it's going to come down to, for a lot of people, on that day, because the issues seem to have been shoved to the side. Nobody's talking about these serious issues that matter to the United States, yeah, right? Because, because it's become it's going to be come down to what you just said, John, for a lot of people, who they believe, who they believe. Yeah, yeah well, I have to say, well, I, I've made my point, I guess. Yeah, no, you have, and I appreciate the call. Okay, you have a great day. Thank you, you too. Really, isn't that, isn't that the way it's going to be? It's, it's going to be uh, who you believe. Now, Bill is in Whitby, Ontario, and Bill also called before we started taking calls. So there's two, two guys holding on. I don't know what they're doing, but I want, don't want them holding on too long So uh, because it's Saturday afternoon, after all. So, Bill, thank you for the call, and go ahead with your thinking on this. So you're in the ballot. You're in the—anyway, you're in the. Well, anyway, you go ahead. You know what I said. You know, I have to agree with what you just said is who are you going to believe. So we've already got Clinton who won— the one one the leadership of her party, and that was proven to be what it was. A fix. It was a fix. So that's already a track record there. Three quick points. I cannot watch CNN anymore. I would, if I was a uh, Trump supporter, I wouldn't even go on the show. You either shout it down, ridiculous, or cut off constantly and allowed to be yelled and bullied by all the other pundits on the show. Secondly is. Uh, Michelle Obama, when you made that speech last week, did you think of the person who's probably going to be taking over your office, a man who is a proven liar, a man who was impeached, and a man who used the White House for his own sexual escapades? And thirdly is, the person who's going to suffer the most right now is Mark Burnett, who's a very religious man, who's being bullied into releasing tapes. Who's already, on CNN already reported that Hillary's super PAC is already offered anyone $5 million to leak any of the Apprentice videos. I didn't know that. I feel sorry for the man. Wait a second. Say that again. Who, who offered $5 million? There was a, there was a Clinton super PAC. And that, you heard that where? I saw the reported. It was actually on tape, on, a, on a, one of the tapes on the, on the running okay. tapes. I'm going to look into that, that yeah. Yeah, that they offered $5 million. This man has done nothing. So tell me, so, so I know you were holding on, and I appreciate sure. that, Bill, but so clearly you would vote for Trump. 
I, if I, between the choices, like I find it inexcusable that Bernie Sanders, who tried to run, no, that was bad. That was bad. Who tried to run an honest campaign yeah. against a woman, and it was proven. There was a, yeah. there were, t- I hear there you, was a woman fired. They fired someone. I hear you, buddy. I hear you. I hear you. they fired the they fired the the chair of the DNC, and Hillary Clinton hired her immediately. Uh, Wasserman yeah. Schultz, Debbie uh, Wasserman Schultz. Yeah. Speak for herself. Yeah, listen, I, I just want to read you a couple of... Okay, thanks very much for your call. I appreciate it. I write a column for the uh, Bay Observer newspaper in Hamilton, Burlington, and I've been doing it for years. And uh, I, I wrote my column in, uh, uh, that was out a couple of days ago. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to read you a few lines. My gut has been screaming Trump since he hurled a reasonably impressive, by usual primaries voting standards, GOP POTUS field into the political abyss. Clinton, think about it. A really old dude from Burlington, Vermont, wagging a crooked finger and croaking political revolution had Madam Secretary on the ropes until the Dems, decks stacked with superdelegates, cheated Bernie Sanders out of a debate with Donnie. So, they did. But is that going to matter? Because there are all the allegations against Trump. And the allegations have to be taken seriously. Kurt is in, uh, in Alberta. God, I envy you. You're in the Rockies, eh? You betcha. Oh, man. <laughs> Thanks Whereabouts? For call, Roy. Whereabouts? Rocky Mountain House. I love it. I love yeah. it. Oh, I'm so envious. Not that Ontario's a bad place, but anyway, <laughs> go ahead, yeah. Kurt. Yeah, so definitely Trump all the way. Um, so sick and tired of all these other politically agended uh, entitlements that usually run for president candidates on the Democrat. When did you make up your mind? When when did you decide Trump? Oh, first time he, he was running. And so what you've heard over the last week or two, particularly about sexual assault, sexual harassment, what is that? that you, you just you don't hear oh, that, yeah. right? You, you, do, you, do you hear that at all? Dust in the wind. Dust it's, in the wind. Everybody's got background issues. And, you know, the big thing about Donald, he tells it like it, like it is, and he doesn't really care what people think, and that's why... You know, he, he's not trying to hide It doesn't anything. matter. Hey, you know what? Let's be let's let's just take this up front here, Kurt. It doesn't matter that it's Donald Trump. Any person who had um, any kind of presence who got up and, and ran in the primaries for the Republicans and won and was anti establishment would be followed. Right. I mean, it's it's the yeah. I think it's the issue more than the candidate at this point. I think my, my, my I think the rowdies, if one of the rowdies ran, you know, my little dogs. If the, if the rowdies ran and they could they could communicate, right? I think yeah. I think they'd get votes if they ran anti-establishment. The movement and the, the the feelings are so intense. I'm hearing them from you, are so intense that it's not going to matter. I appreciate your call, Rocky Mountain House. What a lucky guy! What a lucky guy! And from Rocky Mountain House, Alberta, we go to Dan in Toronto. By the way, our call screeners are not asking anybody. Who they're going to vote for, all right? So so we're not loading the deck for anybody. We're taking the calls as they come. Dan, nobody asked you, right? No, and Roy, I'll say this without hesitation, uh, Donald Trump, and here's why. Yeah, maybe wash his mouth out with soap, and not, these allegations are just allegations. I mean, but the fact of the matter is this. Public and private position. Look at Hillary Clinton's campaign's private 
permission. They talk about tolerance, diversity, respect together, yet they are the most racist, bigoted, dividing people on the planet, disparaging Catholics, evangelicals, talking about infiltrating the Catholic Church and having a Catholic spring, talking about needy Latinos. I mean, look at WikiLeaks. This is what they're wow. all about. Yeah, and now they're but, but they're saying but they're saying that it was it was the Russians and they're not they're not you know what's interesting a couple of times I think the person who did the who had the quote about the Catholic Church she didn't deny it she said she didn't recognize it. Well, yeah, blame it on the Russians, and if it is the Russians, which I doubt it is, who did the Russian reset? And what about Hillary Clinton? And what about the Uranium One deal? Uh, well, what about having a server in your closet that is obviously uh, was pretty damned easy to hack? Yeah, and finally, Roy, I just want to give you a compliment. You're a real journalist. They're disappearing. There's no such thing as journalism in America. The CNN and all these other people, honest to God, I think it's the North Korean state media. They would be proud. (laughs) I thank you for the compliment, Dan. I'll accept it. Thank you. Anybody who pats me on the back, I'm going to take it. Because I get a lot of kicks in the, uh, you know, Greg in London. Hi, Greg. Hi, Greg. How are you? Good, sir. How are you doing? Fine, thanks for taking my call. My I just like to uh, applaud you on on bringing up talk topics that I don't think any other radio station that I listen to in Canada would would, would want to uh, venture down. And I, I really I really appreciate. Thank you so much. Topics. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say I'm I would vote for Trump, hands down. Uh, my brother's an American citizen. He's been down there for thirty years now. I talked to him quite frequently in the last year about this, and his friends, and, and they are, they're all, they're all voting Trump. I'd, I'd say, well, I'd say about oh, over 90% of them, and they're from all walks of life, blue-collar, professional people. Um, at CNN, uh, some of your people brought up, and they are they're paid operatives of the Democratic social machine down in the states. Say, so I can't, I can't stop no, watching them know. either, and. Um, you know what I'm looking for in a candidate, whether it's in Canada or the United States at this point in time? I'm looking for somebody who can get the job done. I'm not looking for a saint. I, I look back on the days of Second World War, Winston Churchill, um, George S. Patton, um, Douglas MacArthur, yeah. these leaders who, who fought for our freedoms and, and when there were imminent threats. And I'd I just like to see you know, that take place. Uh, and, and take care of your country and take care of your people. Well, the issues are not being the issues are not being talked about, Greg. They're 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 not on the table. I thank you for the call, sir. I really do. Thanks. I appreciate right. it. Green Show on the Corners Radio Network. I really do appreciate uh, those of you who take the time to call. And yeah, we do take on issues that are not necessarily safe or popular, and because they need to be talked about. You're listening to the Roy Green Show weekends from two to five on AM nine hundred CHML. Uh, I met Stacy and Kevin by phone shortly after the uh, wildfire at Fort McMurray. And uh, as you know, if you listen to this program regularly, they've been on the air with us uh, at least uh, four or five times. And they've always been very, very positive and very upbeat about about how they're going to move forward with their lives until last week when we found that they were really very strapped as far as cash was concerned. They were back in uh, Fort McMurray. They had the 23-foot trailer they bought in Edmonton after evacuating there, and they were winterizing it because that's the only home that they have. And, and nobody had come through with anything for them. The the, rail, the Red Cross had given them some very basic funding, $600 each, when they were in Edmonton. But they were there was nothing that, that came to them while they were there, and they were almost broke. 
And so I called the Red Cross because they had a call coming from the Red Cross on October 14th, which would have been yesterday, but they weren't going to be able to hold out that long. So I called the Red Cross and I asked what they were doing. You know, I mean, how do you, how are you distributing the money? Who gets what? And we had the answers from the vice president of the Red Cross, and I read them on the air last last weekend. And then we spoke with uh, Stacy and Kevin, and um, and the Red Cross called them and made an appointment for Stacy and Kevin yesterday at their office in Fort McMurray, and the regional manager was going to talk to them. So Stacy and Kevin are back on the show with us. Hey guys, how are you doing today? Very good. How are you? Well, I'm doing good because I know what happened yesterday, but our listeners don't. So it's yeah. it started out kind of bumpy, but then it smoothed out for you. So <laughs> bumpy, yes, it's like before buying bumpy. So why don't you explain? Why don't you share with our listeners what happened? Because what happened yesterday when you went to the Red Cross office? Well, after we had assurances from the operations manager from Edmonton that. Uh, we had an appointment booked for 9 a.m. Everybody there knew we wouldn't be turned away again. That's exactly what happened. We showed up at the office. Um, nobody there knew anything about our appointment. Um, the security guard uh, told us that this was for appointments only. Um, another gentleman said, you only have a phone appointment. So before we got really upset, because it was pretty much the last straw, we left only to get a phone call from the lady saying that she was there. They said she wasn't even here. Yeah, they said she wasn't even in Fort McMurray, the staff there. So she was there, and we did get our meeting, and fortunately they were able to help us out with a little funding. And uh, that funding uh, was for the rent for your for your, for your your campground site? Yeah. Which is, which is not... Which is, not which bad. Is, which is, yeah. yeah, which is not insignificant. I mean, the, nope. the rates in uh, in northern Alberta would be more for a campground than uh, than I think maybe in southern Ontario. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's pretty close to the same as a one-bedroom apartment, to be honest with you, yeah. in Fort McMurray, not in Edmonton. Okay, so they did that, and they're, what else are they going to do for you? They're also going to send us a couple of dollars next week for gas and food. That's it was, you know, another I don't know five six hundred bucks, but every everything counts. So we were we were happy. We actually got a little bit of help out of them. Right, and they're also going to uh, they're they're going to pay some more rent for you potentially. Oh yes, yeah, potentially um, we can submit more receipts, and it, it is more months. It is a case by case basis and a month by month basis, but. Uh, they did say that they potentially could help us with two more months' rent to yep. get on our feet for the campground. Yeah. And, and winter's coming on pretty quickly where you are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we already had four inches of snow, right? We're, we're sitting in our F-150 office, as we always do when we talk to you on Bluetooth, <laughs> and we're looking at our trailer, and it is covered in white, nasty Nasty stuff. <laughs> ah, that's not good. That's not a good thing. You you were also told, though, were you not, that you your case had slipped through the cracks? Yep, pretty pretty much. Like uh, she she couldn't understand how we didn't get any assistance. And I mean, like the people there that didn't know we were coming, yeah. she even said to them. She said twenty times. I told them there's a couple coming here, meeting me at nine, and Make don't sure. turn them away. Make sure they get in here. And we still, you know, had the aggravation of dealing with. No, you're away. not in here. You're not on the list. You have a phone appointment. So 
<laughs> yeah, because that's what that was. All, that was what was going to happen. You had uh, you didn't. I mean, you made your way back to Fort McMurray without funds to, for the for the for the, for getting there, which was what the Red Cross was going to provide. And exactly. and then and then uh, you had a phone appointment for the 14th of October where they were going to discuss your situation with you and then ultimately make a decision as to what you would be eligible for. Exactly. Um, but but you also went to the office um, in Fort McMurray, which is what the vice president of the Red Cross said you should do. But when you went there, you were turned away from both offices, yeah. just told, no, you can't come in. You don't have an appointment. Go away. Exactly. Exactly. You exactly. have a phone appointment. Go away. <laughs> I have to remember that Canadians gave millions. and I mean, the total was $299 million. I know they're going to say that the Alberta government gave X number $28 million and the federal government gave $104 million. Governments don't have money. They have people's money from taxes. So the total exactly. was $299 million, and that was for the people. Of, that would the intent, anyway. And certainly the intent yes. that was was raised by the Red Cross directly, the intent is for the for people like you, and, and others in Fort McMurray. That's why the money was given. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And I'm not I mean, accusing them of. I'm not accusing them of, of not caring. But you guys were in trouble when you shouldn't yeah, have been in trouble. Yeah. Was, I or mean, not as much trouble. The, yeah. All the assistance we've heard of. You know, even while we were down in Edmonton, we were hearing about it. But again, as we told you, there was people worse off than us, so we just stayed away. We didn't. We didn't need it at the time. Yeah, but you, you went to a couple of, did you not go to a couple of offices in Edmonton or call them and they told you that they couldn't do anything yes. for you there? Yes, we went to a couple in Edmonton and it was yeah. the same scenario. One said go to another Red Cross and we went to that one. They said they can't do anything. We had to phone, we had to phone and get an appointment. They couldn't even book an appointment right there. We had to call. So and maybe there's, maybe there's some logistical challenges that they need to deal with, but I'm, I'm glad that. I think so. I'm glad that you guys got in yesterday, and I'm glad that there's something, you know, that things are being done for you. Something um, positive has happened, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Plus, yep, plus, plus you got jobs, right? Well, yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> I actually, actually, I don't even know, did I tell you? I did tell you this yesterday, yeah. I just actually started a job today, and I'm telling you, Roy, I'm actually dog walking, but it's good money in Fort Mac, and my legs are killing me right now. I'm in the middle of my day. I still have two more goes. Well, when you're done with that, when you're done with that, my rowdies need to walk. Uh, all right. It'll cost That's going to uh, be the hardest life. walk you've ever done with dogs. Trust me. You know what? I've, I, the first one I do is a five-month-old pit bull, and he is hyper as hell, and I have a couple other big black labs that are older, and they're huge. They're just huge. <laughs> they're and beautiful. They pull a lot. <laughs> and Kevin, you, you got. I got to tell you, Kevin. Kevin got a job. Five hundred and fifty people applied for this one position, and guess who got it? I got it. Kev. I yep. got hired on the spot. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah, I'm yep. so just happy for you. You so guys are terrific. We'll be normal. <laughs> you guys are terrific. You were so positive all along. And uh, and then we found out what was going on with you. So and I'm glad the Red Cross yeah. came through for you and and yeah. uh, all the so, best going forward. And now you do owe me a beer. <laughs> Absolutely, so do owe you. Kate. Door is always <laughs> open for you. Uh, be a little tight squeezing it's a small in. Small house. <laughs> You're welcome to it. <laughs> it's all right. I've slept in my car before. Yeah, us too, us too. It might be smaller than that. <laughs> well, I'll just sleep in my car. Yeah, no. oh. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm so, I'm, it's great to hear you laughing, and uh, all the best, and I'll stay in touch with you personally anyway. 
Awesome, Roy. Thank you so much for Great everything, from Roy. You and we love you. And thank you, Canada. Thank you, Canada. Right on. We love you. Take care, love guys. You, okay. you too. Take Bye-bye. Care. Stacey and Kevin, Ford McMurray. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. Now, Kathleen Wynne, the Premier of Ontario, had the temerity on Tuesday of this past week to call Ontarians, quote, very bad actors. Very bad actors. The people of Ontario are very bad actors on the issue of climate change. And why is that? Because according to the Premier, there's a high greenhouse gas emission issue. And Ontarians are very bad actors. They're using, creating too much greenhouse gas emissions. She must be happy about the uh, fluorocarbon agreement, 140 or 200 nations. We'll talk about that coming up. But it's just so rude of someone who applies for a job representing the people and once again insults the people of Ontario. Very bad actors. When we know that uh, hydro rates are going through the roof in the province of Ontario, and as the Auditor General for the province said, that's because $37 billion between 2006 and 2014 um, were had to be paid by the Ontario consumer because of crappy deals that the Wynn government and before that the McGuinty government made with uh, about hydro production and delivery. And then the Globe and Mail continues, those fees amounted, well, to $37 billion between 2006 and 2014 and are projected to add $133 billion more from 2015 to 2032, and it's all too late. I mean, you can't do anything about it. Those deals have been signed. So I spoke with the uh, finance minister uh, for Northern Ireland and the minister of the environment, Sammy Wilson, about cap-and-trade. Listen to what he said. The reason why I call it a pseudo-religion is because, of course, it, it is now being, at least here in Europe, the whole issue of global warming, climate change, and the impact that man has on that, has almost taken on um, a, 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 a religious fervor with some of these people. And um, any doubt that anyone casts, any challenge which they make to um, the received wisdom from the global uh, warming um, uh, lobby uh, is um, challenged immediately, not on the basis of the facts, but on the basis of the sanity of the individual, on the basis of whether they're fit for office. And indeed, I've had one of the, the, um, the, the uh, Friends of the Earth leaders here in, in the United Kingdom actually saying he wished he'd topped himself when he heard that I was uh, now the Environment Minister. Such was his um, disbelief that anyone with my views should be fit to hold office. Minister, Europe has adopted the cap-and-trade model of dealing with controlling greenhouse gases. How is that working out? For Europe's economies? Well, I'll tell you how it's working out for individuals who I represent as a public representative. First of all, it uh, means that they pay more for the uh, petrol which they put in their car. It means that they pay more to heat their homes. It means that they pay more for the electricity which lights their, their, their homes. They 
pay more to go on holidays. Um, there is greater regulation on their lives. And um, even some of the global, uh, the, the, those who support uh, the whole concept of reducing CO2 emissions, uh, only this week, the leading government scientist in the United Kingdom admitted that some of the measures which are being taken, and they're fairly mild measures, will put another half million people into fuel poverty. Uh, now, that's how it affects and impacts on individuals. How it impacts an industry, of course, is another matter, um, because we find ourselves becoming less and less competitive because of the regulations which are placed on industry. Ironically, uh, we don't actually finish up with the reduction in CO2 emissions because uh, much of the industry is simply going to companies where there is even less regulation and probably more CO2 being produced. And um, now that we've got the kind of carbon trading arrangements in, uh, we're not reducing CO2 emissions. We're simply buying credits to allow us to keep on uh, producing CO2 and, of course, in doing so, pushing up the cost of production. I think it's really key that you mention that the CO2 emissions are, in fact, increasing because of the cap-and-trade reality. Because of the regulations, uh, companies are leaving, and they're going to countries, as you've pointed out, like India and China, where there are fewer regulations, and so those countries increase their emissions. Jobs are lost in the UK. Jobs are lost in Northern Ireland. Um, people pay a climate change levy on their uh, electricity bill, which puts up electricity costs. Um, there are, are already uh, costs to industry where they have to either cut CO2 emissions or buy um, the, 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 the right to produce CO2 emissions from other countries. And, of course, it's all become a bit of a con because to get Russia to sign up to the Kyoto Protocol, um, they were given very, very generous uh, allowances uh, based on their industrial production in 1990. Much of that production, of course, closed down as the old socialist uh, economies um, had to restructure themselves. They are now making a fortune selling those CO2, those carbon um, emission permits to uh, firms in, the, uh, in Europe. And in fact, um, despite the, the, the um, claim that we are meeting our targets, we're only meeting our targets not because we're producing less CO2, but because we're buying the right to produce CO2 from other places. And to me, what we have here is a bit of a con, um, and it's something which uh, I think once people start to look at, they'll realise that all we, all this is being used for is an excuse for primarily left-wing governments who have run out of ways of taxing people. So there you get the idea um, of the conversation I had with uh, Sammy Wilson, the Environment and Finance Minister on Cap-and-Trade. had to cut it there, just a few seconds left, but that is what he feels and believes and experienced. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. Let me read you something. Let me read you an email to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. This is what I'm getting um, from Sharon. I would definitely vote for Trump. I do not understand why people make an issue regarding his transgressions and forget that Bill Clinton and Hillary are probably two of the most corrupt American citizens. If Hillary wins, Bill and Barack will continue to govern the country, which is shameful. Many of us are hoping that Trump leads the movement of the anti-establishment. The voting public should make it about the economy and immigration and so many other issues, not Trump's morals. I could go on, but you see where I'm coming from. Thanks, Roy. Sharon, it doesn't matter largely whether it's male or female, men or women. What I'm hearing is Donald Trump. And what I'm hearing 
is the voices of the beauties. Like Catherine Swift, the most powerful woman in Canada. <laughs> well, you are. No, that's, Pretty har har. That's very true. Only when I'm on your show, Roy. <laughs> well, that, that, you, can, you can argue with Linda and Michelle about that, Catherine. <laughs> Not with me. <laughs> WorkingCanadians.ca. Linda Leatherdale at LindaLeatherdale.com. On uh, Twitter and Vice President of Cambria, Canada, former money editor of the Toronto Sun. And guess what? We were, we were, we, we were anticipating to be Michelle-less today. Michelle, but you were hoping. You were hoping. No, we we, we oh, were okay. We were we were dismayed, disturbed. Yeah. We were m- sort of experiencing mutual pain of of separation. And here from that was my problem too. <laughs> <laughs> and here from the Euro- that we've managed to reach you, Michelle. Where are you exactly? On the Rhine. I'm one of those geographic cruises. I'm just outside Heidelberg. Outside Heidelberg. We are so envious. Have a great trip. That sounds beautiful. And it's 10.30 at night It is, but you know what? I couldn't miss this for the world. (laughs) Well, let's start with, uh, we we had decided that what we're going to begin with is uh, what Premier Wynne had to say about the people of Ontario calling them really bad actors when it came to greenhouse gas emissions. And I just played back most of a brief interview with the former finance minister and environment minister of Northern Ireland, Sammy Wilson. But uh, you're all three residents of Ontario. The premier makes these accusations. We know what's happening with the price of electricity. We know what's happening with the delivery of electricity. We're going to start with Catherine because you you missed half the session last time. I did, yes. I was cooking Thanksgiving dinner over at my, my son's house. But in any event... Listen, politicians blaming their constituents, that is the last refuge of the scoundrel, if you ask me. Uh, The province of Ontario sadly has distinguished itself in the world as imposing an absurdly costly and ineffective, an ineffective regime under its so-called green energy. And I mean, we we were chatting offline, a bunch of us, about some articles we've seen lately, and one of the ones that struck me, and I wasn't even aware of this, but it was actually in the National Post, and it was talking about years ago when the, when the Ontario government green energy, and this is relevant to everybody in Canada because, of course, this is no longer just Ontario anymore, folks. We're no longer in Kansas. Uh, but in any event, that one of the original architects was asked, will this cost people any money? And he said, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, we're letting a huge part of our lives we we're in a cold country we you know we need energy we need uh, this kind of stuff and we're we're leaving it in the hands of people that clearly don't have a clue and if you look at look at what the auditor general in ontario has said and this will be happening in other provinces as well that are just getting around to doing something in the so-called green zone uh, you know billions tens of billions of wasted money and more to come so the gall of Kathleen Wynne, she's a very arrogant woman. I've met her. She's arrogant. She's right. Everybody else is wrong. And, you know, if you criticize her, you're either a racist, a homophobe, a sexist. You know, you're, you're, there's no, there's no uh, possible disagreeing with her. She is right all the time, 24-7, 365. But to, to actually come out and say something like this to me, 
It's yeah. like you should be signing your political death warrant, and I hope she is, given the damage she's done. That's right. She said it to you. In the country. She said it to you, and she said it to Michelle, who's cruising on the Rhine in Germany. Yeah. What do you, what do you say to that, Absolutely. Michelle? Roy, I don't get it. And you know what? I think they're done. I really do think the liberals are done in the next election. They deserve to be done. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, they deserve to be done Patrick last time around. Well, that's right. I was about to yeah. say that. But if Patrick Brown can pull it off, they're done. Because, you know, I, I'm here in Europe, and there's other Ontarians, and they're all saying the same thing. And some of them are liberals, and, some, and they just said, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Ms. Leatherdale, what do you say? <laughs> bad actors? Us, Roy? Come on. She's the bad actor. And all of the politicians that have taken us down this dark, dark road. Terrence Cochran did a great article in the National Post, and there's a few of them that are yeah. the green advocates, including Gerald Butts. What do we call them? Buttheads? This is the same guy that convinced McGinney that, you know, get rid of the coal plants, et cetera, et cetera. Green is the way to go. Lied to us instead of be revenue neutral. There's a whole bunch of reasons why our hydro rates are the highest in North America, but a big chunk of it is how we were led astray on this green policy. And now I just read that a U.S. firm went to NAFTA and won in court that we, the taxpayers, are going to cough up another $25 million because the Liberals decided as they canceled the gas plants, they canceled a solar energy pilot project out in Kingston. They were going after our government for half a billion dollars and settled for 25 plus the legal costs. Oh, that's not over yet, money. Linda, by the way. Oh, it, oh, could no. be, it could be tons more. It could Sadly. be. It will be. Exactly. It will be. Yeah, it probably will be. Yeah. And you know what else? We are paying these solar suppliers money when we're not even using the electricity because we've killed the economy. And we're overproducing right now. So we're spending, what, 18 cents a kilowatt hour, 23, when indeed it's only costing us 2 cents to produce right now in this process? That's it. But this is, you know, this is the old story. The, the elitists, the Gerald Butts of this world, the Kathleen Wins, Gerald Butts recently charged taxpayers $127,000 to move from Toronto to Ottawa. I've moved from Toronto to Ottawa. It doesn't cost a shred of that. No. It's, these guys are not suffering in their own lives. And sadly, until they actually have to pay some freight, they're not going to care what they impose on the rest of us. Well, I yeah. agree with Michelle. They're done like dinner when they are now giving, subsidizing the people who can't afford energy right now with my tax dollars, and we're struggling all to keep the lights on and keep the electricity bill paid, and they're going to subsidize it. This is the last straw. I want to remind you all about, I want to remind you about something. In 2014, in the winter of 2014, in Bruce Gray County, the United Way was worried that some people might die, according to a news report, it was a CTV news report, that some people might die because they couldn't afford the the the, the energy costs uh, to to heat their homes, and that's right. That, so that, this was 2014. So, what's ahead? Is it the and British? It's got worse since then. Well, you know, and you know the yeah, and you know down. the you know the British situation. There are more people dying, and it just it's as simple as getting onto British news media websites. There are more people dying from cold-related illnesses in their cold homes. Uh, in the UK in a year than die from traffic accidents. And they're rejecting 100,000 will die before 2030 because of the high cost of 
renewable energies. And, and the bottom line is, as many learned people, much more learned than myself, have said, it's having negligible, if any, exactly on the climate. This is what Bjorn Lomborg told us on the air. Yeah. After immediately following Paris, he was there reporting for 20 newspapers. He was kind enough to come on the show, Dr. Bjorn Lomborg, uh, one of the world's most brilliant economists and the head of the Consensus Center think tank in, in uh, Copenhagen. He came on the show and he said they're going to spend, and he believes in, in, in global warming and climate change the way the UN does. He said they're going to spend trillions of dollars and accomplish essentially nothing. Mm-hmm. Way to go! And impoverish. Way to go. people in the process. There's something to look forward to. The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML.